And I think that if I can come from that place of understanding and love, ultimately my impact will more positively shape them than if I was to come at them or try to interact with them from a place of judgment. Welcome to the Live Your Art Podcast. Casual conversations with creative individuals to help you unchain your inner artist. My name is Theo Zagragan. I'm a creativity coach, artist, and director, and I am on a mission to uncover the hidden keys to thriving as a creative. So join me on this journey to discover how you too can live your art. Yeah, baby. Welcome back to the Live Your Art Podcast. You just listened to a snippet of our very special guest's new single, Take My Heart, which will be released on February 14th, 2022. Our guest on the show today is a hip-hop artist and content creator who has touched the lives of over 200 thousand followers through his powerful TikTok content that examines the concept of healing, expressing, and connecting the inner child. This guest is a very dear friend of mine whom I've worked with intimately to create some incredible visuals for his musical projects. And throughout our collaborative efforts, I have consistently been blown away at the level of insight and the depth of knowledge that this incredibly talented artist shares with me. So party people, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce you to El Nino. El Nino, whom I refer to as Esteban throughout our conversation, is a Canadian-Colombian hip-hop artist whose dark, introspective trap bangers examine themes of substance abuse, heartbreak, and the conflict between the higher self and the ego. In this conversation, we chat about what authenticity truly means and the key to breaking out of your own shell if you feel trapped in your ability to express yourself. We also talk about the balance between authenticity and commercial appeal in the arts. This conversation also sheds light on the importance of open-hearted and open-minded dialogue when it comes to public discourse and free speech, as well as how to connect with your own values and beliefs in today's noisy world. So sit back and get ready for an insightful conversation with my dear friend, El Nino. Esteban, welcome to the Live Your Art Podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Theo. I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm stoked to have you too, man. So I guess before we, we hop into like any deep dialogue, why don't you give our listeners a bit of an intro in terms of what you do, what you're about, and yeah, what you're here to do. Yeah, uh, my name is Esteban Palacio, but I go by Esteban, El Nino, Guapapi, a uh, man of many names. It doesn't really matter to me. I'm an artist. I make hip hop music. And my kind of my brand message out there is I'm trying to express, connect and heal the inner child. My name, El Nino, is a reflection of that. It means the boy or the child. I think it's my mission here on this planet in my life to do those three things, express myself, connect with people, and hopefully spread ideas that can help heal people and heal people's inner child. Because I think that 
we live in a traumatized world and I think a lot of us are dealing with grief from our inner children. And I'm hoping to just connect with that and spread some good ideas, spread love and connect with everybody on earth and, you know, hopefully move up, push us in a direction that, you know, helps us maintain peace and freedom and all that kind of beautiful, fancy stuff. You've been posting TikToks for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, TikTok started as a, because I was always seeing it through the lens of, of a musician first. So, you know, I was being told by all the marketing leaders that I was following that I had to be on TikTok, that I needed to go on there to market my music. If I wasn't on there, I was a fool. So, okay, obviously I, I listened to those who know more than I do and I jumped on there, but I, I found that I, I didn't know how I could actually connect with an audience with my music. I'm like, do I just show them me writing raps? That doesn't, that doesn't seem very exciting. So, you know, I started putting a little bit of like uh, me doing like freestyle on there or whatever, or, you know, doing duets with other people who were laying down beats, but that wasn't really connecting with anybody, to be honest. Mm. I, I did a bit of a, a psychedelic introspection with myself and my girlfriend and we, we did some mushrooms or I did some mushrooms rather. And I did a deep dive onto, again, what was it that I was, I was trying to understand about my brand beyond the music. And through that experience, after having read Seth Godin's book, Purple Cat on Branding, I didn't just go into this with, you know, with some fanciful notions that mushrooms was going to help me figure it all out. But I read that book and then I did mushrooms to kind of help me reassess what it was for me. And I really got to the idea that El Nino being the representation of my inner child and how I'm choosing to express myself through music and art, I found that, okay, well, the themes around that then is that I'm trying to heal that inner child. So I thought, okay, well, how can I combine perhaps my background in psychology, my passion in mindfulness and spirituality, and my expression in art as an artist to connect with people on that, on that level. So I started making videos about exactly that, about personal life lessons and advice and even ideas that I've learned from other much more intelligent and greater people than I am and kind of put it in a digestible, you know, short form video content. And, you know, it seems to have really resonated with a lot of people, which is, you know, very humbling. I feel honored. It's, it's very weird as well. I've, mm. I've, you know, I've been making music for a while and I've never had this kind of uh, reach or connection. So it's clearly, it's clearly meaningful to a lot of people and I'm just happy that I can play that role. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So it's, it's actually crazy. We've been friends for about like a year, maybe a year and a mm -hmm. half had no idea that you were even posting on TikTok. And right. then the other day I see you post and you're like, Oh yeah, just hit a hundred K on, <laughs> on TikTok. And I was like, Holy shit. Because a lot of the conversations you and I have had, you know, we are both artists. We both do this professionally. We're both very, very passionate about what we do. Mm -hmm. And we've talked a lot about kind of feeling like our message isn't being heard mm -hmm. or kind of feeling like we have something that's, that we're sharing. That's so like, we see it as really valuable, but it's not getting the attention we feel like it deserves. Right. I guess now that you've hit a hundred thousand followers on TikTok like that's a lot of people. How has that impacted your sense of self, your kind of goals in terms of art? And yeah, I'm just curious how that's affected you. 
Uh, firstly, gives you a lot of anxiety, especially as someone who's already like a little bit socially anxious, as much as I try very hard not to present that to people. Uh, it's crazy because, you know, every single word you choose is picked apart. You know, you make a video where you think initially, like, you know, you only had a few thousand follower, followers on there. And I make a video, you know, about my personal life experience and something I personally went through. And now people are, you know, projecting their own lives into those videos and going, well, this wouldn't have worked for me. The way this is said is not the way I would take it. Well, and, and all of a sudden, you know, you start realizing that, oh, shit, you know, that, that Spider-Man quote, like, oh, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, to a degree, because now people are taking your voice and what you're saying as life lessons for them, you know, like as if you're directly speaking to them. So you have to be, I've found myself becoming and trying to be a little bit more mindful about my word choice, being more careful about how I say things and honestly trying to be a bit more inclusive in that respect while also not diluting what I'm saying, because, you know, at the end of the day, I am a blunt person. I am someone who, in spite of, you know, my affinity for mindfulness and spirituality, I still think that, you know, some things are harsh and must simply be said as they are. But in, you know, in saying all that, the moment you get an audience, you, you do find yourself, at least I find myself, you know, becoming much more anxious around how I say specific things. And to be honest, I've been a little bit paralyzed by that fear for the past week, to be honest, because again, like you said, this, this has happened very rapidly. <laughs> I, three weeks ago, I had 800 followers. I have 135,000 right now. It's very crazy. But again, I, it's hard, but it's great. It's humbling. It's honoring. You try to balance it all out because you get these messages genuinely, which are like, make me cry. Oh, like someone being like, I've been so down in the dumps. You, you saved my soul. Like saying things like this, that, that I don't even know how to react because I, I don't, I don't like, I don't understand it. I'm like, I just made a video, you know, trying to push something that like, like, like we've said, like me and you know that these ideas and lessons have helped us, but you know, but for so long it has felt like they were ignored. So all of a sudden the moment that people really are resonating with them in the way that me and you might've all of a sudden it's, it's almost weird. It's almost like a, you, you don't know what to do with this information. So I'm still, I'm still getting the grip, the hang of this thing. It's very new to me, <laughs> but I'm excited too, to, to have that opportunity, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I guess you, you brought up a pretty interesting point, which I think is when we have a bigger platform, when we, when our reach grows outside of, you know, our, our nuclear friends and you start being seen by like the public as, you know, somebody now, you know, someone who has something to say, maybe a leader or some other, whatever you want to call it, there, there is responsibility in that. And I'm curious, I guess, how that relates to expressing and healing your inner child, so to speak. Well, that's interesting. Um, okay, personally, I think that as far as because I really see music as my expression of my inner child. I'm not going to dilute my music. I'm not going to stop using profanities. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dilute my artistic expression just because I might have a bigger audience. I don't, I don't think it's ever been a musician's role to be a role model in exactly how they're saying or what they're saying. I think that's ridiculous. That's a parent's role. That's society's role. Musicians are, you know, expressing themselves in their music. I, I, you know, that's my, that's where it comes to music. I'm going to keep saying what I'm saying because my inner child is angry. You know, he has anger. My inner child is 
still dealing with shit and I'm using music to deal with that dirty shit. And so it's not gonna, I'm not gonna dilute that. However, mm. when it comes to now actually using words, you know, being on TikTok or if I'm gonna be on a podcast or even what, whatever it might be, I do think now that there is that responsibility where if, you know, someone was to ask, you know, more specifically or want me to break things down, I'm happy to be much more careful and specific around what I'm trying to say, because like you said, like, I, I, I'm not trying to alienate anybody. I'm not like, for instance, I made a video about victimization and really was speaking from my perspective around how I was very bitter for a long time because I didn't agree with how my parents raised me, regardless of any mistakes that they made. My parents really did do as best as they knew how to do, but someone will take that message and go, oh, so you think that every single person on earth has to be like you. Like, no, I'm just saying that I think a lot of people might relate to this and mm -hmm. a lot of people might find value in the idea of not victimizing themselves. And, and again, I'm always willing to clarify. I'm always willing to engage in that. And I think that is my responsibility now is that now that there's an audience, people are going to wonder what the fuck did you mean by that? Like, huh? Like that's like, you know, what the F did you really mean? I'm happy to talk and engage because I really don't have hate in my heart like that. Like I'm not, it's mm. it all comes from a place of compassion, love, and trying at least attempts at understanding myself and these ideas. Mm. So like you said, yeah, there's a responsibility newfound in this new arena of TikTok and like cultural engagement. But in terms of like art form, nah, like I'm never, I'm at least right now, I don't see myself changing how I say things in my music. You know, like some people might, like even my girlfriend said, like, you know, when I first heard your music, I was like, does this guy hate women or something? You know, mm -hmm. and when she said that to me, I remember being like, damn, does it come off that way? And she's like, well, you just, you know, you're expressing a lot of like resentment or like frustration at women. I'm like, that's true. I use it. I use my music to, you know, express frustration of like a past relationship or an ex or whatever. Do I think that's a bad thing? No. I mean, the biggest song is like Olivia Rodrigo, where she's literally shitting on her ex. <laughs> like that's, that's <laughs> the nature of music. That's the nature of art. It's really, mm -hmm. you know, that's just the way it is. Mm, 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 mm. That's a super interesting point, man, because I have been kind of wrestling with this idea for a while within myself where it's like, okay, you know, on this podcast, in, in my work, in my coaching, like I'm, tr I'm, I'm trying to be a leader. I'm trying to uplift people. I'm trying to help them. But at the same time, you know, when it comes to my art, most of it is extremely dark. Like most of the vast majority of the art I make is dark as fuck. Love and it. I guess something that you and I've talked about a little bit is, is like the concept of expressing your shadow through art and your music, as you mentioned, is kind of, yeah, it, it's primarily expressions of that darker side of yourself. I'm curious what you have to say, I guess, about, that healing process or what what that expression of darkness through art does for you and why you think it's it's valuable i'm so bad at quoting people and i always hate doing it i usually will pull up my phone but eminem you know marshall mathers he said something around the fact that people were this is back in the 90s they're like man you talk about you talk about some terrible things like are you a criminal is this what you do he said no, like, that's ridiculous. What kind of a question is that? Like, I write those things so that I never would ever do that in my real life. These are, mm. this, these come from a place of trauma. Like my mom abused me, this was his words. Like my mom was abusive. I have this, this pain, this shadow, right? And he's like, and I'm choosing to write poetry about it. 
that 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 to me is like the the sweetest thing we can do with our darkness we're going to take that pain and instead of going out there and presenting that darkness in our day-to-day life we're choosing to transmute our pain and transmute our darkness into something where someone can listen to at the gym and you know feel empowered whatever it might be and that that's 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 alchemy right there that's that's mm-hmm. what we're doing we're turning something dark into gold and while you know i've heard the critics of that kind of you know of music that has negative themes being like oh what you what you're doing is you're normalizing it you're perpetuating it i think there's a line right where i'm i can talk about my drug use and my like prior addiction uh, struggles in a way that you know maybe sounds half cool but i think as long as me as the artist and as the individual i'm not presenting that in my branding as something that's cool i think that's okay i think rappers who choose to do that they have to be mindful that that's what you're doing you are making drug use seem cool and that's fine if that's what you believe in and that's what you want to do i'm not like but that's not what i believe in that's not what i'm pressing that's not what i'm doing and i think that it's very clear in my branding who i'm trying to be that i'm not pressing that darkness as something that is encourageable in your day-to-day I'm very literally right now saying that's how I transmute that shit so it does not take over my actual life so that I can be a loving person without mm. that darkness, you know, taking over. Right, right. R- without acting unconsciously on it in your everyday life. That's, that's well, you seem to be much better with these words. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, man, bro. Okay, so you, you said something that I think a lot of people will not quite understand, which I think will be a really good transition is you said something along the lines of if they think that promoting drug use is cool, that's fine. That's not what I believe. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people are going to hear you say that. They're going to be like, how could you possibly say that someone should promote drug use if that's what they believe? And, <laughs> right. You know, like I think a lot of people are going to hear that and be like, how dare you say that they, they have the permission to do that? And this kind of ties into a conversation we've talked about a lot outside of this podcast, which is allowing people to have differing points of view and different beliefs and allowing that while still holding true to your own. What would you like to say about that? I'm sure you have something. uh, Yeah. Look, I'm someone who I I'm very opinionated. Like um, there's no doubt about that. Anyone who half knows me will, will learn that. But even through my, even though I hold many opinions about many different topics from like all kinds of the different spectrums, I, I just believe fundamentally in the aspect of freedom of like free will. Right. And I think that includes the, the potential and the reality that people are not going to uh, think the same way I am. People are not going to believe the same things I am. And I think that the moment that I, suggest or become part of a movement that wants to silence differentiating voices and ideas simply because you know we might hold wholeheartedly that they're wrong i just don't think that's the right move i think that the right move is allowing the freedom of ideas to be engaged in public discourse aka free speech and we can see what will win out what will become more popular and i and while i agree that some people might use underhanded tactics to make negative ideas more powerful. I think, I think then it's our responsibility if we think that we have good ideas. Okay, get more creative. How can you spread that in a, in a better way? How can you push that better? Like, 
I'll take, you know, I grew up a Catholic. I love Jesus Christ and all of his teachings because not once did he ever suggest that we should silence people we disagree with. Not once did he suggest that if you disagree with someone else, then they're like, you know, go kill them or do something wrong. In fact, you know, he even says when someone even actively persecutes us, you know, turn thy cheek, forgive. And that's where I'm coming from, a place of, oh, okay, I see a rapper pushing something I wholeheartedly disagree with. I go, you know what? I, I try to understand. I go, I'm sure that he comes from a culture that I can't even relate to. I'm sure that they have experienced things I can't even begin to understand. And because of those traumas and those experiences, they've shaped them into finding perhaps peace and recluse in drug use. So I see it. And, and I think that if I can come from that place of understanding and love, ultimately my impact will actually maybe will more positively, positively shape them than if I was to come at them or try to interact with them from a place of judgment, you know, that I really don't, it's like, like I said before, oh, they like do their own thing. I really mean that because I'm not their God. I am not their judge. Like I'm not the, the, the man who judges, but I will take the idea, you know, oh, do I think promoting drug use? No. I, I'll say it right now, open and clear. No, I don't think that's a positive thing. I don't think it's helpful. I think it's destructive to our society. But am I going to fight the individual who believes that? No, I'm just going to continue to engage with the ideas that I think are positive, that I think are helpful, and do my best to spread them. And I think that the world has always been like that. It's always been a contestment of different ideas. And we are democracy is one way in which we allow these ideas to play out in the real world. I'm just not about, and nor will I ever be about the philosophy that we have to control and silence what other people believe and or think. You know, I think in our world, the way it currently is, not many people share your point of view, right? And I think yeah. with, with controversial topics, there have been many brought up in the past couple of years. You've posted a lot about, like, basically asking your audience what they think. Mm-hmm. honestly anonymously do they think and it was really interesting to see kind of how people responded to you know your anonymous question box because they were sentences and replies that I wasn't hearing in everyday life you know I was hearing one narrative but clearly there's a lot of people that feel a certain way about something but don't feel safe to express themselves that breaks my heart I'm lucky that I've always been a loud kid who was facilitated to you know question my teachers and they honestly were great throughout my whole life all my teachers have been amazing in allowing me to create dialogue but it is so telling to me that people in those like you say those anonymous boxes are sharing to me stuff that they can't even talk to with their family with their friends and it's really not that controversial in my opinion they're simply saying something like uh i got vaccinated but i'm not sure if the mandates are really going to be the best thing for society but they're, they're genuinely scared to share that and i think that that is the failure of culture that's happening right now and that's why i, I really think it's important for all of us to if we can if we have the opportunity to create spaces where open dialogue can actually happen. And I, and I do mean open dialogue. I do not mean, I do not mean a single viewpoint has to be held and everyone has to agree with me. And like you said, a lot of people responded, a lot of people, you know, would say things to me like, like, okay. So for instance, I, I disagree with mandates pretty much in wholeheartedly. I just think they're dangerous and legal precedents and people would respond to me. Or when I asked the question, what do they think they would answer something like, well, I think that 
usually a mandate or forcing anyone to do something like this is not a good idea. But because of the severity of the situation or because of how far it's gone and like how ruined our economies are, whatever, we just need, we need to do anything. We need like whatever it is outweighs the bad, right? Like the, I forget the term, but it's like the mean, the goal is so important that no matter, it justifies the means, like the end justifies the means is what I was trying to say. And I'm just of the personal philosophy that that's, that's what any of the history's most tyrannical leaders have used that same logic, that the ends justify the means. And, and I just don't, I don't want our society to make mistakes that have been made in history's past where we, because of emergencies or because of whatever true issues that are happening, we start thinking like that, that our end justifies the means because that is how atrocities happen. That is how dangerous rulers take hold of societies. And I'm very cautious of that. I'm, very, I'm a very cautious person of outright power uh, being given to anybody. But the point is, sorry, uh, that, you know, I, I, I'm happy for people to disagree with me. I, I really don't, like, I'm not, I, I didn't like, oh, you disagree with me. I'm not going to share what you said. No, I, I put it out there. And mm. the other day you start seeing like, yeah, people agree and disagree and that's fine. But enough people disagree with the mainstream narrative that aren't talking. And that's what's, what, what's uh, the big fault. And that's what's important is that a lot of people are so scared of, I don't know, of being ca- canceled, I guess is the term, or being socially isolated of, you know, of just simply not fitting in that they will just lie and say that they do agree, even though, you know, as I've learned through putting these kind of message boards out there, they don't, they, they, they don't agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they put on sort of a, a mask or a disguise to fit in and look like everyone else, but deep down inside, there's something inside of them that's either angry looking to be expressed mm. something inside of them that they want to let out really badly that they can't or they feel like they can so i guess i have a question for you for someone who is in a position where they feel like they have something that they really want to express or something that or they feel like they're not living in alignment with who they really are and what they really believe but they feel really scared to step out and be that version of themselves that is controversial what would you say to that person? Practice authenticity and isolation first. Like uh, a lot of us first, before we actually start aligning ourselves with what we actually believe, we still don't act like that when we're alone. And I, I'm not going to tell everybody, like if you haven't, you know, if you, like you said, if you're still feeling very repressed and you're, you don't totally feel aligned with what your values might be or your morality, you jumping into the all of a sudden all of your socials and putting everything you believe out there yeah that's gonna come with a lot of conflict and you're probably not ready to handle that because you haven't you haven't even lived like that in your in your personal life so Mm -hmm. i'd say start with your start with yourself you know if you believe that you're someone that you know if you believe in god you know what you actually do believe in god even though a lot of people these days are atheists okay just put that into your daily practice, you know, pray to your God in the morning and at night, you know, learn, take a little bit more time to learn about your theology and how you can be a better, whatever it is, Christian, what, right. 
whatever it is that you are of value and like to start practicing those things in your personal life. You don't need to make anybody a part of that journey just quite yet. I think that's the first step is, and then you can slowly and surely put yourself out there more in your social life right now, outside of the personal now in your social, you know, you can express your truth a little bit with friends. And I'm not telling people that it's gonna, it's easy. Like being yourself, and I really do mean like choosing to be who you are authentically. It's probably one of the hardest things you can do. It's, it's <laughs> these words, the word authentic has become arbitrary because I heard this in a podcast, I think the other day with someone saying, if you can put it on a, a forever 21 shirt, you know, that it has no meaning anymore because mm. I, I be authentic that immediately you can imagine, oh, that belongs on a forever 21 shirt which means mm. like the very meaning of that word has now become so diluted. Everyone is saying that they're authentic or that you just mm. need to be authentic. But what the fuck does that mean? Right? right. I personally, I think that that just means really just taking the time to introspectively discover what your values are, what your mm. priorities in this world are. Right. And like a lot. And then once you've figured that out, step back, analyze your day-to-day life, analyze your goals, analyze your trajectory of what you're doing in life, see how those things are either aligned with your values and uh, morals. And if they're not, think about what are the steps you can take to better align yourself with them. And then again, this is a process. This isn't a day. This isn't a moment. It's, it's, it's really slow, boring work, like mm-hmm. learning to be yourself and aligning yourself with who you truly are. Is, is mostly psychological work that takes years and it's, it's never... It's not a journey like, oh, and then you, you reached it. You're always working towards that version of yourself, right? Matthew McConaughey said it really amazingly in his book, Green Lights, and then also in his like, uh, Oscar speech where he speaks that his inspiration has always been a version of himself five years in the future. And every time five years passes, he goes, oh, I'm not even close I, I, because the goalposts have shifted. And I think that's a similar mm-hmm. analogy to being who you are, being authentic to your beliefs is it's a process. In five years from now, I'm going to have learned even more because I'm continuously learning and expanding my mind. And so I go five years from now, I'll go, oh yeah, I was so wrong five years ago. And I actually think that I have, you know, what I'm aiming for is five years away. And then when mm-hmm. I get there, I'll be in another space where I go, you know what? I actually was even, I was still very ignorant to a lot of things. So the aim that I'm reaching for is still another five years away. And you're going to die like that. And that's great. That means that you were always striving to be authentically, not only yourself, but the best version of that self. Mm, mm, mm. Incredible insight there. Something I'll add to is just adding on to your, your point on kind of exploring and experimenting in your personal life. I think also in that is giving yourself the space to express yourself to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that that could involve journaling and writing every day and just getting your genuine perspective to yourself out on paper and to witness what you actually think, feel, believe about something. 100%. That, that could also then translate into, you know, music or art or some other forms of expression, which then can kind of translate to, oh, you know, I'm choosing to wear this thing outside instead of this thing, because I want to express myself a little bit better now. And just through the process of actually witnessing yourself and giving yourself the psychological safety that we're craving from the outside world, 
if we don't have that psychological safety within ourselves, we're never going to be able to express ourselves fully. So I fully agree with you. It's super important to create safety within yourself to express yourself in any way and to allow that to be okay in order to progress to being that authentic version of yourself in the world. That is a hundred percent. Okay. It kind of reminds me when I was uh, 16 or 15, I, I got dumped by a girl I was very in love with and it was very heartbreaking for me. And during that time I started writing about my experience, but I did it as if I was writing like a novel about like two people, like in their love story, but ultimately it was about me and this girl's like story. And, you know, I got like 32 pages into it and like I kind of ended up getting back together with her. So the energy of that kind of like stopped. But having had that space to actually create something, both literally writing about my life, but also doing it in a way that was like artistic enough that helped me do it, I guess, literally gave me the kind of analysis of myself to understand what I had been doing, which was, oh my goodness, this is my experience. I was idolizing somebody because I was insecure of myself and I was so unhappy with my own personal life that I projected my need for happiness and a story and identity onto that relationship, which is why I felt so empty when it ended. But I would not have, I don't think I would have recognized any of those things had I not simply, like you said, found the space and opportunity to express my feelings, my emotions, and my thoughts into an art form. Obviously journaling is great. I was a bit of a writer at the time so I chose to do it in a novel format but it's it's very very helpful and like you know from my personal experience through you're 100% right it it might be one of the most effective ways of getting to know yourself Mm -hmm. expressing yourself to yourself and witnessing that Mm -hmm. I think a big part of what holds people back in their entire lives when it comes to the career choice they make the clothes they wear the people they date basically everything they do is not allowing themselves to be themselves around themselves because they're judging themselves all the time. That's why when I work with people who are looking to, you know, break free, essentially, one of the first things I say always is write, journal, sit with yourself, create space for you, period. And that in and of itself can change literally everything else. Something that I think adds on to that is when we give ourselves the psychological safety to express ourselves to ourselves, we then, you know, when we're judging ourselves less, we judge other people less. I guess what I'm trying to say is if we, like art can really heal the world and connect us in my, in my perspective. And I'm curious what you have to say about that. I think it's a it's a potential bridge for understanding um, because art is both so personal yet like extremely subjective in the way that it's interpreted. Uh, I think it can help build bridges. I think it's really cool, for instance, when I read poetry and like I have a friend who's a beautiful poet and it's Alden McKay. And I read his poems and I, I immediately because uh, you know we're friends and I'll tell them man that poem this is this is what I thought this is what I thought and like and I and I have real impactful experiences from reading his poetry and, and then he'll be like yeah you know what that was just about this it, you know something very like minute and he's like I just you know I just wrote it but I'm like that's 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 art right there the fact that I, I somehow 
grasped at some deeper meaning that for me really was powerful and impactful. And yet the artist might not have necessarily meant that it, it built some kind of understanding, some kind of dialogue that wasn't even there to begin with. And when it comes to, like you say, healing the world, how can art do that? I mean, I think obviously it's, it's naive to suggest only, only, art alone can do that. Obviously not. You know, the world is full of people. We need people to come together. But I think art is a great platform in which we can start expressing our, like you said, things like our shadow, our darkness, our trauma, parts of ourselves that are unhealed. And in doing that expression and that work, more people will be able to understand and create empathy amongst each other. Like personally, I like you said, I think the moment that I took the journey of personally going into psychology and studying psychology as my major and counseling as my minor, because so much of it is trying to understand people in the human mind, I gained so much more empathy and patience around people because all of a sudden people weren't that guy's an asshole. This guy's a bitch or that, you know, whatever it might be. All of a sudden it's, damn, I, I wonder what happened in his life. I wonder how his parents treated him. I, I wonder how he was treated in school. I wonder how the ability, his dyslexia, whatever, how much harder that made it in his education and how that might've made his social functioning. Like when you get to the, you actually want to understand things from an actual point of understanding. It's hard to hate people. I'll be honest. Like I have a hard time <laughs> hating people and I trust me, I fucking try. Like I will try to hate someone. And then I sit down and I'm like, you know, oh, I can't believe they said this about me. Then I'll sit there and I'm like, well, I guess I know this about them and this other fact. And that that could have made them more like this. And, you know, I don't think they were so lucky because they didn't have siblings like I did. So they were alone. All of a sudden, by the end of that thought process, man, I don't hate them. I just, I understand and I empathize with them and I no longer carry that hate in my heart towards them. But obviously, yeah, like I'm still human. I wish they weren't the I wish they weren't the way they were. I wish they were nicer, treated me better, whatever that might be. But I no longer have that hate and vitriol in my heart. So when, and I think that does come not necessarily from art, but from, you know, a place of literally psychological understanding. Mm -hmm. However, when I see people's art, I also understand them. And that's why when it comes, like we were saying earlier, when I listen to these rappers talk about when they're, yeah, okay, sure. They mentioned drugs and all that. Cool. But then you, you hear their lyrics and they're talking about gang violence and life in the, in the mud and all this stuff that I'm like, wow, that sounds horribly traumatizing. That sounds terrifying. And I go, okay. And they found solace and drugs. I don't fucking blame them. Like, and who the fuck is everyone else to get on their high horse and say, me, 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 you shouldn't say this. You shouldn't say that. Like, bitch, live the life they did. I don't even think you'd be alive if you did. These people are fucking warriors. Straight up. Straight so, yeah, up. like, that's kind of how I see it. Wow. Wow. When I've heard certain types of lyrics, I didn't realize it till now, but I had this sort of judgment on it. I had this view on like, oh, that's not like them being real, but that's them being themselves given everything that they've been, lived through. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like that's as authentic as it's going to get, you know, like when someone steps up to a mic and they're just saying what they say, what they want to say, that's just, that's just the reality. That is their reality. Well, sometimes what they don't say is just as important as what they're saying. Like, I'm a huge fan of gangster rap and I grew up on that, which is hilarious, you know, because I'm not a gangster. But I, I, 
it always built like a sense of understanding because I'm like, oh, I, I get it. Like they, they got to say this shit because like, what do you mean? Like they can't show weakness. They'll get killed. They'll, they will die if they show that kind of weakness. I don't have the, me now as an artist who makes music, I can write about my vulnerabilities and weaknesses because I, I don't think I have ops waiting to kill me or take advantage of those weaknesses. These people live a much different life or they have come from different lives. So yes, is their authenticity as perhaps deeply profound and introspective? No, maybe not, but that's who the, like, and, and maybe it is, maybe I'm just not understanding it deeply enough or like wrecking mm. And analyzing it from a way that uh, would allow me to get that kind of profound meaning from it. But at the end of the day, like, I also like to touch on what I think you were getting at when you're making music or art or whatever it might be. And you're thinking, how much of this is authentically me and how much of this is entertainment? But that's that's the beauty of being an artist is that you got you have to do both. Like, I'm all for people if, if you want to be a career artist, if you want to be an artist who makes art for yourself be as vulnerably deep and authentic as you want and don't ever worry about making something entertainment because who gives a shit it's for you right if you want to be a career artist which means people have to buy your art which means they're investing what they earn their time into you you also have to make it a little bit entertaining for them sorry my man if you got a problem with that don't be it don't chase career artistry you know because it probably won't be for you at least not commercially you're not going to get commercial success do I think that there's a balance? Of course. Do I think that some artists ride that balance better than others? Of course. Do I think some artists are too commercial and not authentic enough? Of course. However, there's clearly a need for both an entertainment value to what you're doing and an authentic value. Mm. And in there lies people like, I like, you know, the weekend, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think he does that amazingly well. He's, He's entertaining, you know, his songs make you want to dance, but he's also talking about heartbreak and, you know, his inability to find love with women because he's just too hurt. And every time he starts to trust them, he gets stuck in his own head. Like, that's very vulnerable, but but damn, he does it in a way that, you know, keeps us all engaged with him and he's cool and he puts out good content too and the videos are great. You know, like I'm saying, there's there's a line to ride. If you want to be a commercial artist, you are going to ride that line. If you don't want to be a commercial artist, that's cool. Do do whatever you want. Some people who are just so talented never even think about commercial success, and it just happens. That's great. That's great if that happens. But I, an ode to artists out there, don't wait for the world to. They just, I just really need them to fully agree with everything I'm saying about my personal life. It's your personal life, man. Maybe not everyone has had exact same experiences. Maybe make an effort to make it a little bit more generalizable for a bigger audience. That's my two cents for the artists out there who are so stuck in their need to be authentic that they have four people who listen to them and that's their mom, their dad, their brother, and their sister. You know, like... (laughs) That's harsh, I know, but... (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Uh, can I ask you a question then about your art? Yeah, please. If you were to be 100%, like get rid of all sense of commercial success to your music, what do you think it would sound like compared to- Oh no. Well, given that I have no commercial success in my music, I think very, very similar. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay, um, well, are, are you creating music- from that place like are you creating it kind of with that balance in mind or are you creating it where, not where... Enough. yeah let, let... i'm speaking to myself in that in that critique i'm speaking to me like because i i i am that fucking artist who 
sometimes I'm like, but that's, I like the structure like that. That's what, that's the way I made it. That's, I, I freestyled the structure and I like the way it sounds, but then someone else hears the song and they go, your structure is kind of all over the place. It'd be nice if you maybe doubled this, took this out and then made it a more cohesive song. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, that's my artistry. I'm going to be respected. I, I do that. That's, and this is a shot to me is that, yes, man, come on, man. Like it, it's okay. Like you don't have, you can say, I think there's a blind, say the things that are authentic to you but maybe the structure of your music can use some work. And I, I mean, I think I sent something to you and that's literally what you said to me, like the, the structure was a bit off. And, and I agree with that. It's like, it's clear to me that I need work in structuring some of my music to make it more commercially viable in terms of getting like repeat the hook a couple more times or put the chorus in, in these two areas and not just once throughout the song, stuff like that. You know, the technical aspects of song song building I can work on in the commercial aspect, but I, I do think I'm doing a, personally i mean i think i'm doing a good job of aligning my actual lyrics to my authentic beliefs and values i hope that answers your question yeah for sure something i was watching a kanye west lecture he spoke at an art school and someone asked him the question like something along the lines of dumbing down his music for audiences and how he towed that line and he said it was like, it was like a great quote. He was like, well, when it comes to being really impactful or something like that, you know, when it comes to really towing that line, you need to know when to just like, let your music sound a bit like a drug and just kind of like, let people do their drugs and go, go with the flow, enjoy it. And then you need to know when to just crack the fucking paradigm. Like hmm. need to, you need to know when to give them the blue pill, so to speak, you know, let them like numb them out. Just let them kind of like enjoy the sound, not think too much and then fucking smack them in the face with your, with your actual belief. And rather than just creating from a place of, I'm going to smack the fuck out of the listener. I'm going to punch them in the ears and like give them the middle finger the whole time. No one's going to listen to that or share that. But if you're also just creating music that, that feels good all the time, you're not actually saying anything. You're not like pushing things forward. So yeah, I think that kind of encapsulates what you were saying pretty well. That's, that's perfectly. Yeah. Kanye says it perfectly. And I think he literally is like one of the best examples that you hear his early shit, just hooks and choruses that are just like, you know, they're, they're, they're catchy and they're not necessarily like deep. And all of a sudden you hear his verse. It's like, Holy shit. He's talking about like systematic oppression of black people in the prison system. That's, that's really brilliant. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. But like, but if you were just a casual observer, you might not even have noticed that line at that bar. And that's fine. And that's, he's saying, that's cool. But you still listen to my music and you gave me something, which is the ability to connect with more people. And I think mm-hmm. Kanye is one of the best geniuses of doing exactly that. He fucking toes that line brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Someone who doesn't do it as well, but like, I mean, towing the line as well is someone, an artist like Russ. He made a lot of his, music specifically about he has a message the music industry is whack a lot of this stuff is an illusion etc 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 and he really was pushing that message along with like you know the ideas of manifestation and all that and doing that he he did alienate himself a little bit right like which is clear he alienated himself from the very industry he was wanting to join which is why he's commercially kind of critiqued by the industry and you know fuck russ is literally like was a thing for, for a year 
that must be that must be hard for him to be honest I, and i mean he speaks about his music that that should affect anybody mm-hmm. but he made that choice of he wanted to be more about his message than about commercialism which is now part of his brand you know he's got the chip on his shoulder and i love it i love listening to him but i also feel bad for him a little bit in his personal life because he clearly struggles as a result of wanting to be so aligned with his truth 24 7 and not doing what kanye did a little bit more you know intelligently which is uh, I'm gonna put it in there, but I'm also gonna add this this wave of what you said. Like, I'm gonna make some sounds good. They don't gotta think too much. Just enjoy yourself. Right, right, right. And then Kanye, you know, I think he's transitioned, <laughs> and that was like 2015, right? That was like, yeah, you know, yeah. So he's definitely transitioned since then. I something that you brought up that was interesting is like I fuck with Russ specifically because of that. Like, I'm me too. I. Fuck fuck with Russ so hard because his message is so fucking potent. So when I listen to Russ, I'm like locked in. I like, I fuck with this. And he, he has a lot of commercial success now. Mm. because I think he's really stuck to his message and his guns. You know, he's really stuck to that. So here's another lesson. You know, it's not one size fits all right. Like someone like Russ, very firm on his message, very clear on who he is unapologetic about it like straight up i know what russ well, this is a good point about authenticity though right yeah. what you said before like, is who's authentic russ has always been wholeheartedly i say whatever the like from before exactly. fame i say exactly what's on my mind 24 7 if that's who you are okay well then that that is something that you're going to do in your music and yeah. lo lo and behold it works yeah i'm not that i say most of the time but for the, at the same time i don't actually like offending people i don't enjoy that i feel like he kind of likes it a little bit so there you go that's 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 him that's his brand (laughs) yeah so i guess like what i'm trying to say is like you know you can you can be successful as an artist in any of these sort of streams you could be completely just about commercial thing where you don't try to make anyone think you know there's plenty successful artists there there's plenty successful artists who go the complete other polar opposite where they get really clear on what the fuck they care about, what they say. And usually those people are like the real trailblazers. I think when it comes to music, yeah. art, et cetera, like they end up being like fucking legendary if they stick to it consistently enough to get so good at what they do in a unique way. And, and in their perspective that they end up just like blazing the path ahead. And then there's people who kind of toe the line between the two. And their success in all three of the, the ball courts, I guess. It's just a matter one thing of I'll say. I think I think of the motherfucker like Tom McDonald. I, I like. I think he has a see. Okay, he's got a message. He's a point. He's like this white guy from BC. Like he's very like anti-establishment. Like rapping about like brainwashing and COVID and all. That. And it's like I think it's corny as hell. And I think that he. The people who stick very hard to a message without at least because look to talk about Russ, yeah, sure, he was potently being himself, but his music is undeniably catchy and good. Yeah, you know, like right, he's right, making right. an effort in the musical aspect. Some of like Tom McDonald, I think, has the least musical talent I've ever seen in a rapper, but his message is very potent and he does have some success. But it's very connected to the people who just really liked that message, who are very anti-government, anti-authoritarian. And I'm not like, you know, I like that message, but I 
I listen to him and I'm like, oh, this is corny because I don't I don't see any musical interest right. or musical talent in my opinion. And I mean, I think that's the common critique of Tom McDonald. So he's like, yeah, sure. He's talking about good ideas, but like, you know, it's a bunch of 40 year old white dads commenting on his YouTube, like, this is great. This is what the kids need to be listening to. Not that crap about drugs and stuff. This is really good messaging. It's like, uh, like good messaging without musical come on and mm -hmm. like talent isn't that cultural. interesting if you're going to be a musical artist mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cultural like being able to actually influence the culture right like well making good music that's what yeah. i'm saying if you want to influence the culture you also have to make good art if you just have uh, a good message but your art is shit i'm telling you right now you're probably not going to be an impactful artist over like over like you said the trailblazers like russ and stuff and jay cole their music's fucking amazing like the music's good too. Like <laughs> the music's good first, actually. That there you go. Yeah. Shit. Damn. 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 Shit. Okay. Is there anything else that you want to like express? Like anything else on your heart that you want to say? Chat about. Talk about psychedelics or something. I kind of you know it's funny because I got caught in a conversation last night with. You know, I serve and, uh, and all that sometimes. And I was serving for a private catering and a guy asked me because he overheard me talking about mushrooms. And he said, like, you know, I, I know a lot of people who've had these very powerful or impactful experiences like yourself uh, on psychedelic mushrooms. But, you know, I did it once. And honestly, I just, you know, I got trippy. I got fucked up. It was cool, whatever, you know, the visuals and everything. But I don't really... I'm not sure I understand what other people are getting at when they talk about this like positive impact that comes from doing these kind of substances. And I honestly think it's an important message to reiterate what I said last night, which is, well, it depends why, how, why, when, and how you're going into these experiences. If you're at a party and you're drunk and someone offers you some mushrooms, do I think that's both a positive or potentially enlightening experience? Maybe, probably not. Uh, you know, probably not. Uh, could you have a good time? Sure. Um, I've, I've been drunk and done mushrooms. It was fun. Did I learn anything? No, I just learned like not, not a damn thing. Mm -hmm. Have I, however, gone into an experience with an intention that I wanted to learn something about myself, specifically around, for instance, my brand? And then have I done it in a setting which was a safe and not only safe setting, but one in which I, you know, I meditated before I literally like did sage over the room and I even wrote out my intentions before. Yes, absolutely. And did I do it because I was trying to get fucked up or something? No, I did it again, like very clearly with an intention in mind. When you do psychedelic substances like that, and I personally, I'll line them up. There's three pillars to a successful psychedelic experience. Number one, and most importantly, as I mentioned is, your intention and mind state. If you are right now, you're very sad, you're depressed, your mushrooms is only gonna exacerbate those feelings or bring those feelings to your consciousness, which might be very intense. And if you don't think you're ready for that, don't do it. If however, you're going into it because you know, maybe you're feeling a little lost, you know, but you, you don't have any emotional instability that's really pressing, absolutely, that's, that's a good indication that you should do it. So the second pillar is the physical setting. And I do mean just the space. You're doing this at a party where you don't know, like, you know, and it's, you've never been to this house before, already red flag, get the hell out of it. If you're doing it in your, your apartment and, you know, you have food and everything in hand, you know, you've, and you're safe in that physical space, 
absolutely go do it, you know, or a forest where that, you know, very well, something like that. And then thirdly, it's the people you're with. Now, ideally, I think people, if you're getting into a, a psychedelic experience, I recommend having one person there who's sober, who's just, if, however, you know, crazy, you might get feeling and you start thinking, oh my goodness, I'm dying, blah, blah, blah. They can kind of ground you. And I always call them a grounder. It can ground you to the reality of the physical, you know, of when they experience and go, no, that's not happening. You know, that's okay. Don't panic, whatever. And if you can go into a psychedelic experience with those three things aligned, you know, your intention, the physical setting and the people you're around and potentially even alone, if you're someone who has had more experience with psychedelics uh, and, you know, you're comfortable being by yourself, I think psychedelics can and almost should be encouraged because they can provide profound positive experiences and introspective uh, realizations about yourself. And again, disclaimer, and maybe you put this before, but drugs are not for everyone. I really don't recommend them for people who suffer from mental illness already. Uh, people who are prone to psychosis or anything like that, if that runs in your family, schizophrenia, psychedelic experiences are powerful into your conscious mind. If you have a fragile conscious mind, again, that's not an offensive thing. It's just a reality. It might not be for you. This might just be, it might be too much for you to handle and might actually lead you into a worse space. If however, you're someone like myself who that isn't a problem that isn't a reality. You know, the worst I deal with is like a bit of social anxiety. Like, you know, I've been depressed, but that's not something I'm currently dealing with. Then I think it can be very positive. And ironically, I say all that, but a lot of the studies actually around psychology in psychology, sorry, have actually demonstrated that for people with depression and with a therapist there, the psychedelic experience, specifically with a mystical experience in that, uh, in that use, can decrease depression more profoundly than any therapy. That's, that's insane. And I think it was something like up to 30% increase uh, in like the general functioning or something in these people who took um, mushrooms and experienced this mystical experience. That, that to me is so powerful. And I'm very passionate about this. Why? Because I personally been helped a lot by these substances. I've, I make an effort to use them in a safe and effective manner. And I think a lot of adults out here who are feeling a little lost and, and don't know what quite they're doing. Maybe they feel like they don't have a purpose. I recommend perhaps learning and engaging, go on YouTube, Google, read the research documents out there about these substances. And, and if it might just be for you, and it could really potentially help them elevate their consciousness and improve their day-to-day lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm going to jump in. Please. It, this ties directly into what we were saying earlier about someone who feels trapped in themselves and feels trapped in an identity that doesn't feel authentic. Basically, from my experience and the experience of people that I've talked to with psychedelics, essentially, what that experience feels like is that costume you're wearing to fit into society that you're basically conforming into kind of gets torn apart and you just kind of are naked so to speak emotionally identity wise where you just aren't the person that you think you have to be and that witnessing yourself in that state witnessing yourself outside of the constraints of your everyday life 
can be an incredibly empowering experience, very enlightening, and very eye-opening in terms of realizing the ways in which you have not been living in alignment to who you truly are in your everyday life. And I think that a huge part, a hugely important part of having that transformational experience where you, you know, really do connect with yourself in this way requires psychological safety, Mm -hmm. which is why, you know, in your four pillars, one of them was do it around people that you trust and that you feel safe around psychologically, where if let's say you were to be opened up and ex- like express yourself in a way that feels scary or unsafe or a little weird, that you have that safety. And I just wanted to add that the person who's sober, let's say you have a trip sitter, so to speak, it's very important that that person has experience with these substances mm, yeah, yeah and totally. that when you if you if you do have an experience where you're a little bit more excited or a little bit more emotional than you usually are they're not gonna be like yo calm down you're going crazy because that will <laughs> fuck up the whole thing you know it's it's all about creating psychological safety so that you can witness yourself in your authentic expression which is tied into what i said about the journaling what we said about exploring who you are in your personal life. Can I add something? Yeah. Well. To listeners, guys, it, it is absolutely also potentially terrifying. For the first mm. time in your life, you can experience what these abstract words mean when people say, you are not your thoughts. You are not your emotions. When the, you have a psychedelic experience that allows you to really subjectively feel that the story that you've been telling yourself about your life is simply that it is a story. It is not who you are. That breakdown of the self that you once imagined you were is absolutely a little terrifying. When I found out that, wait, so I'm not the story I've been telling myself consistently since I had consciousness, that's terrifying because all of a sudden there's a little bit of a loss of identity. But I, I want to encourage people who might be going through this loss of identity because it does end up being processed. It, it does, you will find the authentic you in the letting go of the illusory self. When you let go of that illusory, illusory self that is built in uh, social identity, you know, like things like your race, your religion, your sex, things that are quite frankly, not that important to who you are, because once that is shed over time, I promise that on the other side of the breakdown is the reinvigorating and the realizing that you are awareness, that you are infinite, that you are, that you are the energy that existed before, that you have always been. And that as in this very unique human experience you also get to be the others but they are not serious they are temporary they are literally in passing and they were not here once and they will cease to be and that experience is lifelong and i have i am going through it we are all going through it and this is terrifying initially i get it guys to anyone who might be struggling out there it is terrifying every every 
imagined idea of who you were, right? These labels that we held start breaking down. All of a sudden, I, I get it. You might be reaching for, for things that might be a little extreme. You might be reaching for help. And I get it. But I want to encourage everybody to take that as a, a positive sign that notice that if you're the self-concept that you once held so tightly is falling apart. It is, it's like a cocoon and a butterfly. It's the cocoon is breaking down so that you, the butterfly may arise from it. Mm. And that process of breaking through the cocoon is naturally painful mm -hmm. and terrifying. Like you said, super extremely, extremely scary. Um, <laughs> I know that we've both gone through this process currently wearing a butterfly shirt um, oh that's awesome yeah I think uh it's interesting that you say that because prior to using psychedelics I was very caught up in an identity of being a straight A plus student in school in biomedical science who didn't basically didn't have any opinions or any perspective other than what I'd read in books or what the experts said. I was fully just caught up in what is right out there, not what is right here within me. <laughs> <laughs> Through the process of having my ego or, you know, my sense of self, my identity that I'd constructed completely stripped away from me through psychedelic use that's when I realized that I wanted to be an artist or that I not even wanted to be, that I had always been an artist, that I was always a creative being with something to say. Psychedelic experiences will blow that, that off of you and you'll see some things that are crazy and it's all truth and I understand and wow, oh my God, wow, it all makes sense. And then the next day you're sober and you're like, <laughs> kind of forget everything that I learned and I'm kind of back into that contracted ego place that I normally am but I have this slightly changed sense of who I am and what the world is like my perspective is a little bit different so I'm going to live my life in a slightly different way now and then that that change in perspective changes everything for you because you end up slowly going in a completely new direction in your life I think that's a testament to why I I never tell people that, or here, let, or let me tell people now, <laughs> psychedelics is not the end answer. It, it, if you think that, and I know people who genuinely believe that because they did psychedelics once or twice, or they've had some, some mystical experiences, but they have put in zero actual work, like we were talking about earlier, which involves, you know, the journaling processes, uh, you know, artistically introspective meditation, mindfulness. And they simply have the psychedelic experience and they truly believe they're enlightened. And that couldn't be farther from the truth because I think what's happened in those cases is the ego was shed and it was so violent and abrupt that the ego over, because look, I see the ego as the shell, right? The, the mystical experience cracks it. And I think what those people, what happens is those people become so scared of actually losing their identity that the ego itself inflates itself to capture all the new ideas that kind of were beginning to enter and then close itself off again. And now you have this very inflated ego that sure believes it's mystical, believes it's spiritual, believes all of that stuff, but doesn't actually, isn't open. It's a closed ego. It's a closed space. And you'll find this a lot in the personally, in the spiritual community of very judgmental and closed minded people 
who are so wholeheartedly uh, sure of what they believe and what they know. And, and, and that's my warning that psychedelics can give you that. It can also give you a huge inflated sense of ego and sense of self because, because it is, it's a powerful experience. It, it cracks your ego, but then the ego inflates to, to save itself from true disillusion. So be careful if you are going on in this experience or on these journeys, it is not a one-step process. It is a psychedelic helps. And then you put in years of constant spiritual work, practice, meditation, journaling. And like I said, in the TikTok I put out, spiritual work isn't sexy. It's mostly psychological work. It's kind of, kind of boring sometimes. It's effortful. It's hard. The journey looks like this and then that and then that and then back down. It's, it's not easy. Okay. So don't, don't listen to the people who are going to tell you, you do DMT and you're enlightened. You do this and, and now that's it. That's, that was it. No, that's also not the camp that I belong to, nor the beliefs that I uh, hold. However, I think Theo and I are both of the, the belief that they can and have had profound, uh, they have been catalysts for profound change in our own life. But the catalyst in of itself is not, uh, is not sufficient. You, you do need actual meditative, spiritual, and self-exploratory practice. Couldn't have said it better myself, man. Whew. Is there anything else you want to say? Anything else you feel you feel complete? Um, to anyone listening, uh, honestly, like my little plug, like I hope you guys from this conversation kind of check out what I'm about, um, like or get a feeling or sense of what I'm about and you know where my values lie. Uh, I'm L Divine Nino on TikTok. My mission really is to express, connect, and heal the inner child. I love engaging in conversations. So please never real, feel shy to reach out to me wherever. I'm also on Instagram at guap underscore poppy 69. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know the, the irony. <laughs> you said that so seriously. It was perfect. <laughs> guap. I'm guap underscore poppy 69. Um, 69 being the symbol of uh, connected love. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. But, <laughs> you know, I also have a sense of humor, all right? You don't just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> hopefully you guys don't lose that in whatever you're going through. But yeah, mm. uh, check me out. I'm, I'm also putting up good music right now. I'm, I'm working on a lot of really, really, I mean, stuff that I'm very proud of. Uh, I should have a song coming out in 2022. It's really about this kind of stuff, about my pain, my expression. It's called Take My Heart. Um, I'm excited to share that with everybody. I don't know if it'll be out when this comes out, but yeah. Um, hope to connect with more of you guys and Theo thank you honestly I, I mean you know I love you I appreciate always getting the chance to talk with you even when it's not recorded or when it is recorded either way mm, love you too bro thank you so much for hopping in here this conversation was so helpful for me so thank you it was helpful for me too it always is well there you have it folks Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Live Your Art podcast. Make sure to check out El Nino on TikTok and Instagram. You can find the link to his socials as well as his music through the link in the show notes. You'll also find a link to pre-save his new single, Take My Heart. If you would like to support the show, feel free to head over to live-your-art.com to pick up some merch, as well as to sign up for our group creativity sessions. 
You can also apply for one-on-one -on -one coaching with yours truly through the link in the show notes. Anyhow, that's it for this week. My name is Theo Zagragan, founder of Live Your Art, and I'm signing off. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye.